All right. Hey there, this is Bram Kanstein and you're listening to Bitcoin for Millennials. Together with my guests on this podcast, I go on a journey to discover how our current financial system works, why it's flawed and why Bitcoin is the most relevant technology that you, my fellow millennial, uh, should understand and adopt. Today, I'm joined by a man who in the past few weeks has become one of my favorite Bitcoin content creators. Um, this is something he's been doing next, next to his other ventures, being an entrepreneur and an investor. I love his thoughts on Bitcoin and I'm super excited to have him as a first guest. I don't even know his real name. He has a, he has a pseudonym, but um, yeah, British Hoddle, man. Welcome. Thank you very much. Nice. To, where are you, are you? Are you Dutch, by the way? Yes. Can you okay. hear it? Oi, oi. Oi, oi. Yeah, we ruled the world, man. You, you guys did, yeah, for yeah, a while. I know. I actually I was on another podcast and someone asked me about it, like how much how much we learn about it. And I had to answer not that much, to be honest. Like we, we learn about the golden age and stuff and that some, uh, you know, lots of stuff was very bad. But the financial part basically of it, you know, like uh, not, not so much, actually. And uh, that made me realize when I got that question, like I actually don't know a lot about it. Yeah, it's the same thing as the UK. Like the, the, the last thing it seems they want to teach you in British schools is how big the British Empire was and how yeah. powerful, strong, undefeated and unrelenting and positive it was to the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we just want to know we just want to know about all the bad things that happen. It's like like as if bad things don't happen when you have the most successful empire in the world. It's like, of course, bad stuff's going to happen. But there was also good things, but nobody ever wants to talk about that. Yeah, but that's what they say, right? The stories that get told by the survivors and they can spin it anyway, any way they can. Exactly. Of course. Exactly. Yeah. So um, a quick check, of course, this is called Bitcoin for Millennials. What, which generation do you belong to? Like, I know you're a bit uh, secretive, you know. I don't know. I'm 34 years old. That's the same, right? So we, we are those millennials. Um, and I see you, you know, uh, do um, basically what you do around Bitcoin for your parents' generation. Could you tell a bit about that? Like, what, what's the driver there? Yeah, like, you know, one of the, I was very lucky. Like, I started off in business when I was 16 years old. I was negotiating property deals uh, because of my dad. And I was pretty good at that at a young age. Um, so I was very lucky. I started off in business at a very young age. Um, what, I, what annoys me is that when I look at my parents, for example, who are immigrants to the United Kingdom, who have done everything right, They've done everything right, exactly what they tell you. Go get a job, invest, et cetera, et cetera, save some money, invest in the property market. Um, and then, you know, 35 years of building a property portfolio because it was doing the right thing, sacrificing for their children, me and my brother. And you, when you look at the valuation of that property portfolio, it's basically 85 to 90% lower than it should be based on the amount of currency that's been printed. Yeah. But it's kept up with inflation, right? But so it's the not, number is nice, right? So the number's yeah. cool, but it, it doesn't match the value. So what really has happened is, you know, their 35 years of actually doing the right thing has been really 35 years of their true value and soul energy being stolen from them. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's extremely important. You know how many people there are who have followed exactly my parents' path 
and have been selfless in that and now have had their value stolen and they're wondering why their children are going crazy and wondering why they can't keep up with providing the life that they want to provide, even though they've got millions of dollars of, of real estate or whatever it is. That is that's heartbreaking to me. Mm -hmm. um, because yeah, you know listen we can be frank can i be frank on this podcast of or I'm, I'm gonna try this is the first episode you can set the precedent to right. the rest right okay. i'm gonna cool. have uh, greg foss on hopefully so he'll All he'll right. continue this uh, precedent then yeah cool so like you know broke millennials that have never done anything in the world and just want to complain about you know how the world is is unfair etc etc is is one market for people that um, that need bitcoin for sure I just care about people that have actually done the right thing, that have actually <laughs> done, made an effort, actually done something right, not complained, shut up, and actually done the right thing and are still being fucked. Yeah. And so when you say stolen, I, I, I think that's an interesting word, right? Because like in my um, kind of network, when I talk to, you know, uh, people in the same generation, when I talk about, you know, um, this is the money system that we participate in, you know, uh, um, per definition, it gets worth, you know, anything you own gets worth uh, less, um, you know, the grades in value 2% a year. Now it's way, way more. It's kind of like this value, you know, the money energy that, or the energy that you, you know, accumulated as your wealth gets stolen from you. And I've had multiple people that uh, told me, <laughs> and I think I know what your answer is going to be, what you think of it. But like, yeah, when you say stolen, like, like that's a pretty harsh word, you know, um, you know, and then I kind of lose them in this conversation, which I find very interesting. Like, why do you say stolen? What can you define that? Or like, what, yeah, what do you mean by that? Because there has to be two, you have to dis distinguish between price and value, right? Yes. So when you said, you know, things are uh, going down at two, you know, you're losing 2% a year, that's really prices, mm -hmm. right? Prices of things are going up at 2% a year, they hope. Uh, over a long period of time. But what people don't talk about is what true wealth is. True wealth is what percentage of the overall supply of that wealth that you control. If I control 20% of that supply, I'm wealthier than someone who controls 10% of that supply. So while the prices might be going up at 2% a year, the actual percentage of wealth that you control is less over time even though there's quote unquote more money printed yeah. because they're not giving you the appropriate amount. They're saying, oh, your property portfolio today is worth 1% of the money supply and we've just 3X'd the money supply, but it's a 300% yeah. up and we're going to increase your control of it to 1.5%, right? Yeah. So there's a spread that they've stolen in that scenario. That is wealth stealing. I think that's a good explanation. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try that as well. But I think it's interesting. It can't work, when... on, it can't work on millennials because most millennials no, no. don't have shit. Well, most that's what I'm gonna try. <laughs> most millennials don't have shit to be stolen, mm. right? Most well, but they still want the same as other people, right? Like sure, as sure, as anyone. Yeah. So I God think loves the, God loves a trier, and millennials these days mm -hmm. are the best triers. That's <laughs> that's a good quote, man. I um well. My point was more like everyone wants the same, right? Everyone wants, hopefully, a family, a place to live, you know, um, take care of your parents and stuff that's like what that. They want. Like that's what everyone wants nowadays because the marriage well. rates are plummeting, the birth rates are plummeting, 
I don't know if that's what everyone wants. It sounds like what everyone wants is, uh, you know, is, is blue hair. Uh, they want freedom. They want all this other stuff that they don't mm -hmm. want to pay for or be responsible for. It sounds at like at one that. point, I think. Well, I hope. Uh, you know, a reckoning day will be there when people will realize, you know, that they have to actually do stuff. Um, also, I do agree with you. Um, but yeah, I think it's a fair point, you know, like there's a very big difference in these um, generations. And I really love it when you say that, you know, you they did what they thought was best. And now, you know, they are actually at the moment when they want to, you know, have the benefits of this wealth, they have a problem. They're now forced to scale down their living experience. So I imagine that you do the right thing for 35 years and then your reward at the end of it is a lower life experience. You scale down your house, you scale down your, your living expenses, you take less trips. Like, what are we talking about? This isn't life. This is not what life promised. This is not what life should be about. And if there is a God in the world, I don't believe any God would wish that on, on, it, on his or her children. I agree. And so what would be the, like the biggest thing that people don't understand about you know, the current financial system and why should they actually understand that? The, the biggest thing is the only number that matters is what percentage of the overall supply of currency do you control? That's it. Nothing else matters. If you just aim to optimize that, you'll be fine forever. Everything else is a joke. Everything else is, is like is all of this nuanced BS. If you control 1% of the money supply today, your job is to make sure that you control 1% of the money supply tomorrow. Simple. That's the work you have to do. That's the work you have to do. And unfortunately, in order to do that work, they've put you in a position where you need to become a speculator. You need to invest in stocks. You need to invest in property. You need to invest in all these little things, all this stupid shit, just to, just to keep the value that you already earned. Because you earned that. You went to work. You worked. You earned that. You sacrificed yourself. You sacrificed time away from your family. You sacrificed time away from your children. You sacrificed time away from your wife or husband or both these days. And now... Now that you've done that, now you have to you become have another a, job. <laughs> you right? have to become a, specu a professional speculator mm -hmm. in order to just maintain that. And there's a 95% chance you're going to lose your money as you become a speculator. It's, it doesn't make sense. And when people hear that for the first time, like I, I fully agree. I also once had a tweet about this, you know, like you take risk with a venture you have or the job that you take, you know, and then when you're home, you take on your other job. Uh, and many people don't know that they have that actual job um, to protect the, the energy, the money that they, um, that they earned. Like if, if someone hears that for the first time, like I, like I see that, you see that. My goal, hopefully with this podcast is to, you know, help more people see that. Like, how can we drill down on that a bit? Like, can, is there a way you, you could explain why that is actually the case? Yes, because everything is downstream of money. Culture is downstream of money. Everything is downstream of money. Everyone, everyone always says that everything, ha like culture changed, right? Culture yeah. changed, society changed. No, what actually changed was the money. Human beings are incentive-driven creatures, and we will do and act in the way that our incentives uh, point us in. 
And when the when the incentives are, all of this money is like printed immediately. It's out there. You're encouraged to take further risks because you know that the value of this money is going to go down. So I need to take risks. And as you take those risks, your dopamine your dopamine structures change in your brain. And now you start implementing that level of conditioning in every area of your life. And then we end up here. Everything is downstream of the money. And the money is corrupted. Because they, 12 people in the world or whatever it is, can print a bunch of money and devalue your wealth. 12 people in the world can sit there and go, oh, you know, uh, Bram has 1.5% of the money supply and tomorrow he has 1.7% of the money supply that I just 3X'd. Now, if <laughs> someone's watching this and they don't think that that is unfair, you're fucked. And it's okay because you'll learn one way or another. Yeah. Either you learn and you take advantage of, of the learning or you learn and you suffer as a result of the learning one way or the other. So before we move to the topic of Bitcoin, obviously, you know, as something that could help or even save the people that are stuck in this system, who or what has been your most like influential on, on shaping your views on, on this, basically money, risk, wealth? What was your biggest influence? Really, no, I, I don't really know. I think it was more so lessons that I've learned along the way. There's never really been one big, I've had good mentors. I've had good guides. I've had, you know, good people around me and good, inspiring people. I just wanted to get rich. Like when I was younger, I just wanted to get rich. Just like, I hope everyone else, but nowadays it seems like people just want to don't want to get rich anymore because being rich is bad. You know, so it's like, I just wanted to get rich. And I just wanted to create value and, and understand what that meant and how that process worked and, and just get rich. And along that way, I had different influences. I had different influences when I was 16, different influences when I was 20, 25. I just, I, I collect different influences. So learning by doing basically. Yeah. Yeah. I've never really had just like one person that amazed me. Um, I had different people at different stages of life. So what do you think is, is the cause of people well, I think people still want to get rich in some way. Uh, but yes, on the other side of that, there's also people that hate all the rich people, whatever rich is nowadays, by the way. Um, like what happened there? Why is there such a difference between these, these generations or at, at even the people within the generation? Well, because when you have the money, you can tell somebody to get fucked. So if if you if i'm controlling a population like i completely understand why everything's happened the way it's happened i i get it cuz i would do the exact same thing if i was running this 900 trillion dollar dollar empire i would do exactly the same i would make people realize that money is not the most important thing in the world and i would make them realize that social justice and other things are way more important and way more worthwhile causes and I would figure out a way to steal their value from them before they've even got a chance to realize what that value is. And I would keep them trapped. That's exactly what I would do. And that's exactly what anyone with any common sense running a $900 trillion empire would do. That's just opportunity cost then, or, or, or just the opportunity that you have. It's, it's so easy. My job is to keep the system alive. My job is to keep my system alive. Have you ever looked into uh, like the Roman empire and the downfall of of that, yep. like, uh, yep. everyone feels was pretty similar. With, uh, everyone was uh, obsessed with chopping their dicks off back then too. Mm -hmm. Well, and you know, cut it, cutting, I, I love these pictures of cutting the, cutting the coins, you know, 
but do you think it's hard to understand that's my perception sometimes that when we read about things in the past you know we kind of observe them you know it's far away from us you know in time but also just in experience and now I see people talk about, you know, we're living through the exact same thing, you know, like what you mentioned. There's so, so many, um, so many, so many of the same things going on. Do you think it's difficult for people to actually understand that that what we read about is also happening now? Well, I don't know if it's also happening now, right? I, I, I think history rhymes. I don't think it, it sort of repeats itself. Um, I think it rhymes and then it sort of looks as similar as possible. Um, you know, I, I the problem is when somebody is so in something and somebody's so brainwashed into something, there's nothing you can say is going to make them go, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Because there's trillions of dollars of advertising going in the other direction to incentivize you to think that way. So I don't believe that it's possible to, to turn around this, this brainwashing. I, I don't try and fight against it. I ridicule it. I, I think it's happening and there's an agenda and I'm not trying to fight a, a $900 trillion beast. So just take care of you in your own. Yeah. Like, like the I people hear around, you say, anyone yeah, you love. Yeah. Yeah. The people around me are fine. The people around me are set. You know, anyone else who wants to, because I've had conversations, right? Where, you know, these NPCs where you're having a conversation and it feels like you've just got to a point where something has started to make sense. And then, you know, um, something happens to them and, and they go back, go to the bathroom or whatever, reset and come back as, as an agent again. And it's like, <laughs> what, what do you, how do you argue against that? It's spiritually broke. I think also kind of like, um, there's not a lot of self reflection going on. There's not a lot of real, you know, there's absolutely zero self reflection going on. Yeah. But no inquiry as well. I think there's not that many just like, open conversations where you think a i think b and let's see well, you, where we end up you, you know can't. You, you can't because when you have to go to work for you know uh 10 hours a day 11 hours a day 12 hours a day you got to go to work you got to maybe have two jobs you got children to look after you got you know the the you, like you just got too much to think about and then you kill the will you need will that's why they want people to be busy because when you're busy you don't have time to think you know, that's why, yeah. that's why the majority of people working, they have a screen 30 centimeters in front of them. I think I read this study a while ago, which is like a screen or something that is 30 or 60 centimeters or something like that in front of your face literally shuts down part of the brain. Hmm. Like the best thing you can do to wake up your brain is to look outside and look, try and look as far as you can look. And that starts to open up your brain again, wake your brain up. Yeah. And so if we move to Bitcoin, right? Yeah. I wanted to ask you, you know, how, how do you personally approach the topic of, you know, this financial risk that we talked about? Part of that is obviously Bitcoin. Um, I checked out a lot of your content and I, I think you also mentioned that you encountered Bitcoin, but you did not get into it in the beginning. I thought it was a fucking scam. So what, what belief made you not get in to Bitcoin? I just thought it was a scam. Remember, my background has been traditional assets. So mm -hmm. it's been real estate, it's been stocks, it's been gold, uh, it's been all that. And you're telling me that this digital thing that is, is that this doesn't make any sense in the world. That's where my mindset was. But that was an easy dismissal. 
Yeah, like it was just it was it it was the easiest and stupidest dismissal uh, that you could have made, and and you got to remember, like Bitcoin right now is making a lot of sense in at least in the last you know few years to people. Majority of the Bitcoin common sense comes from people that didn't have assets. Why? Because people that do have assets don't give a shit, right? Mm -hmm. I'm getting richer. Right, yeah. it might not be at the same rate as as I should be getting richer, but I'm getting richer. So the urgency is less, and that's why I think the urgency is about to shift to that to that market. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that because I I, I really like your views on that. But to just go back one one thing, like what belief do you think that costs? Right, like I like I always find it very interesting in general. You know, when someone shares an idea or encounters um, something new, you know, like dismissing something. It's very easy and lazy, right? And in some way, also kind of uh, you know could give you some satisfaction and feeling like you're like you're smart, right? But like actually doing the work and kind of diving in more and and well, do some self reflection or challenge yourself, you know, that's obviously way more way more work. So, what did you do or what did you encounter when you actually got it? Like, what was what was the aha moment? So I'll be I'll be completely honest. I was just thinking while you were while you were speaking, and this is the first time I've ever said this. Right, the reason why Bitcoin didn't make any sense to me was because it didn't make any sense to the people around me. Okay, right, because <laughs> yeah. I was around real estate guys, stock market guys, gold guys, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and I was I was just too stupid to go do the thinking for myself. And so and, what and, made you actually do it? So what happened was in 2020, after after the after the, the worldwide flu season, mm -hmm. uh, I was locked down in London, and a friend of mine who was one of those guys who I listened to when he said that Bitcoin is a scam, actually told me you should listen to this book called The Bitcoin Standard. And I was walking around my local park. Because in the UK, even though we were locked down, you could be out all day, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I was just listening to this audiobook. And having a gold background, the second that Saifedean in that book mentions the idea of stock to flow, I remember stopping in the middle of this park as I'm walking around it and realizing that I have fucked up. And... I rewinded. Is this a, can we picture this like in the middle of the street? You're standing and you're like. It was in the middle of a park. It was I in the middle of a park. I need to get home now. <laughs> what? Yeah, like it was worse than that. I was like, I just <laughs> fucked up. So I rewound it, listened to that segment again before I even finished the rest of the book. Because you got to remember also in 2017, me and my best friend, we were smoking cigars and uh, we were like, this Bitcoin thing looks like it's pumping. So we both we both bought like 20 Bitcoins each while we're smoking cigars. And two weeks later, once the price doubled, we sold them and paid for six months worth of cigars. So that was in that was in <laughs> 2017 or whatever it was. And um, and then this happened in 2020. And so I, I literally had a Coinbase account already. Mm -hmm. So I downloaded Coinbase again, logged into my account, wired money from 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 my bank account to Coinbase and I had bought Bitcoin by the time I had walked home. Like that's how urgent it became. And then in the next few months, I moved like 35% of my net worth into Bitcoin. And then by the end of 2020, it was significantly higher than that. All right. So that's stock to flow um, model 
Um, not the model, just oh, well, the idea. Just because the, the model, idea of stock model to flow. Wasn't around, model wasn't okay. really even around then. Yeah. It was just the idea. Because coming from a gold background, I'd never considered Bitcoin like a commodity. Yeah. Could you elaborate all, a bit on that? Like what is stock to flow like? Oh, I don't know. And yeah, how, it's, how it's does that paid, tie into gold? Yeah. So when you value the idea of a hard asset, the hardness of an asset is determined by how long does it take to get the current on-ground supply that's on this earth out of the ground again. So if it takes 60 years, like it does for gold, of new supply, yearly supply, to get as much gold as we have on the ground right now, that has a ranking, and it's 60. Real estate has a different ranking. It's 125, right? Silver has a different ranking. It's like 3 to 15 years, something like that. So the higher this number is, the harder this asset is because it's harder to get it out of the ground and replace the on-ground supply. That's stock-to-flow. Simple as that. You don't need to worry about stock-to-flow model. You don't need to worry about nothing. And what we find in, in a weird way as humans is that our capital naturally, without even knowing this, goes towards the hardest asset. It's why real estate has the biggest market cap in the world. It's why stocks are next. It's why gold is next. It's why silver's, silver's next, et cetera, et cetera. We always assign our capital naturally to the hardest asset. And that's why it's been real estate. And is that because we want to save the energy that we accumulate with our work, right? Or yeah. with our ventures in time, right? That's right. So what we are doing when we are looking at, you know, what do we do with our money is very simple. We are expending our physical energy mm -hmm. and receiving currency for that. And then we need to put that currency into a battery in order to save that energy. And yes. the battery of choice is the battery that can be changed the least, which is the hardness of the asset. And so far in humanity, that asset has chosen to be real estate. Yes. All right. So when we make the jump to Bitcoin, right? Like we talked about the system. We talked about why people want to save money in these types of assets. How how does Bitcoin offer a solution for the the problems that people encounter with with this current system? Many different ways. So you've got the the biggest challenge is for is for people to understand what you're actually buying when you buy property or stocks or anything else. People think you're buying property. You're not. You're buying scarcity. You're buying how long it takes for somebody to build another property. Because if I bought an apartment building and tomorrow someone else could also put an apartment building right next to it, the value of my property would be less. But because the very fact that it takes time to get approved, it takes time for that to happen, is what gives my property value. So scarcity is the actual asset. It's not the property, it's not the stock, it's not anything else, right? It's like- it's how easy or hard it is for someone else to acquire it as well. To build it, to, to just build it. In this case, right? build it, yes. Um, you know, or get and, it out of the ground. With we'll gold. Get it out of ground. Right. Okay. Exactly. So once you understand that scarcity is the actual true asset, at that point, your only question, next question is what's the scarcest asset? And logically, you get to the fact that Bitcoin is the scarcest asset because there is only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin. Right. And the yeah. beautiful thing about Bitcoin is, is that every Bitcoin can be split into 100 million parts, which means that whether you're a street sweeper, um, you know, working in a corporate job, a millionaire or a multi-billionaire, you can own the same asset with the lowest amount of cost differential 
compared to anything else. Because if a billionaire wants to buy property, he's going to get it at a lower cost than somebody who's on the street. Gotcha. And so I also have a question about this finite supply. We'll, we'll get into that. Maybe one step back. When we think about, you know, saving that energy for the future basically also comes from if I don't have anything that I want or need to spend it on, then I should have a vehicle true to actually, you know, save that to the to the future. What do you think that uh, the, the, the current kind of like, uh, I like this term, like time value of money, you know, it, uh, I think, uh, well, the author of the Bitcoin standard book talks about that as well, right? Like short, short time preference or long time preference, um, where he talks about, um, the money or the wealth, the energy is melting. So you have a short time preference. So you have to spend this, this money. What do you think these concepts say about like the perception of, of time for people like, uh, I think it's also in the Bitcoin standard where he talks about, well, if you have a long time preference, you can actually be happier, <laughs> have less stress. You know, you can actually plan your life, basically. Like, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I, I think definitely like the longer you think out, the happier you are, because at least you have purpose. That's the problem right now with a lot of young people is they think living for now is is the right thing to do but the problem is is that when you live for now you have no long-term purpose and human beings especially young men need purpose yeah right um and so yeah having something that you can put your wealth into that you can have a vision of you know quote unquote spending later um and what it's going to give you and etc cetera, etc cetera, allows you to have an anchor in the universe that you can build something around most people don't have that they're absolutely purposeless and that doesn't give them any anchor to build something around. Most people's purpose is their job. Think about that. So do they feel unsafe then? Like not safe enough to You just feel lost. Actually have that. You just feel lost. You just when you're when you're in that state, you feel lost. And the beautiful thing about feeling lost is if I can make you feel lost, I can make you follow me quickly. Mm. And that's where the system comes back into play. So if we translate this into how can we help people, you know, what, what is like your preferred way or like mental model to explain Bitcoin then? Well, you are working, you are exchanging your physical energy for currency and that currency needs to be stored somewhere in order for you to spend it tomorrow. If you don't think it needs to be stored somewhere for you to spend it tomorrow, have the best life possible. Go do whatever you want to do. But if you believe that your work today should be valued tomorrow and the energy that you've converted from your work today should be valued tomorrow, well, now you need a battery. And now the question is, which battery are you going to use? And now we can argue about that. The problem with real estate as a battery is that they tell you this is the capacity of the battery and then they keep increasing the capacity of the battery. Right. And your wealth, your currency is not going up fast enough to maintain that percentage that you own. So it's devaluing your energy. So if you need a battery like that, well, Bitcoin might be the best battery that you're looking for. Yeah. So when people want to eventually adopt Bitcoin, they have to learn, I think, two things that they are not thinking about now. Right. They have to learn to trust a computer <laughs> code, basically. Um, but also they have to trust 
um, themselves. Like I have a few millionaire friends that I'm trying to orange pill. I haven't had any luck, uh, honestly. But one of them said, well, what if I have a million in Bitcoin and then I have like full agency <laughs> over keeping that safe? Yeah. Um, you know, full responsibility, basically. Yeah, this is why, you know, the ETF is so, is, is so big for me. I've been saying this since 2021. In fact, 2020, the ETF is extremely big news because most people are not comfortable having a bearer instrument. Bitcoin is a bearer instrument. So that means you own it, right? You, like you, have, it, you, you have it on you, right? You bear right. it, you control it, you, you're responsible for it. And, and, and by the way, Name another big market cap asset that's a bearer instrument. Yeah. There is none, right? Mm -hmm. It's all real abstractions, estate. you mean? Yeah, real estate's not a bearer instrument. Yeah, Stocks are not a bearer instrument, right? To a certain extent, the way gold is mostly owned is not a bearer instrument. Mm -hmm. Like jewels, so, watches, maybe. They're, they're not big enough. They're not big enough market nah, cap. I agree. Watches, yeah. watches are a bearer instrument, but there's not a big enough market cap. Mm -hmm. So most assets that turn into a big market cap are not bearer instruments, which is why the ETF is so important. Because just like your friend, I have those same friends that are so worried about, you know, losing their Bitcoin, they'll only buy it once the ETF comes out, which is why the capital flow that's going to come as soon as this ETF is approved is immense. And nobody's nobody's really thinking about that, which is why I try and talk about it as much as I can. Yeah, let's dive into that in a second, because I had I had a question about that, too. Um, what what I actually wanted to ask about, you know, that that trusting new things, like it's kind of like a paradigm shift in thinking, right? Like if you understand why you need Bitcoin as a vehicle to save your energy to the future and you have to you have to trust a computer and also yourself, you know, what does that say about the concept of trust in, you know, our current society? People don't have trust in themselves. So mm. How can you how can you even expect them to have trust in themselves when all they've done their entire life is trusted their teachers, right? Tr then trusted their professors and then trusted their bosses and then trusted everyone around them to direct their life besides them. They're not trained. You have to train yourself to trust yourself. But nobody has been has had that training. Nobody has ever gone out there and said, I'm just going to put my own balls on the line and do what I want to do. They go to university because people tell them to go to university. They go get a job because people tell them, hey, this is the job. There's already very few people in the world that actually say, I want X and I'm going to go do it. So what are some first principles that people could follow to maybe get to that point where they can unlearn these things or see themselves or the world in a different way it's tough it's tough because the world makes it so safe to be in that in that realm i don't even you know it's it's quite interesting i don't even talk about like what are the first principles because mm -hmm. i think that if you have it you're gonna do it because i can't tell you what to do you couldn't yeah. tell me what to do because i i just i had something right i had something that was like yeah. My dad, I, my dad was negotiating a property deal when I was 15 years old and I was watching him and he got off, he got off the phone and I was smirking and he said, what are you smirking about? And I said, that looks easy <laughs> at 15, right? Now the best gift my dad ever gave me was he didn't tell me to get fucked. He said, well, show me if it's that easy, show me. Yeah. So I had something at 15 years old where even though my mouth had just written a check that my, my body had no idea how to cash, I had to go figure it out. 
right? Now you're telling me that someone who's a millennial at 30 years old, 34 years old, 35 years old, who's got a family, a child, a job, so ingrained into the system, you're so hopelessly dependent on the system, and now you want to figure out first principles? Like your best chance is Bitcoin. Yeah, interesting. Um, um, while you're talking, I'm thinking like, what was my own point or what are my own things? And I have to be honest to say that I also don't. Right. I, I can't really identify it. I don't know. It's kind of like a gradual yeah, because every journey. Time some, yeah. Every time somebody asks somebody who's done something good in life, like, oh, what did you, what did that, what did they all come out with? It's all BS. Mm. Oh, you know, pursue your passion. That's the worst advice you can give someone. Like, oh, you know, read books. Like, what are we talking about? It's all bullshit. But nobody has the answer. Because if that was... listening to others instead of yourself, that like, like what you no, mentioned. Because most, pe most people are too stupid to listen to. They, they shouldn't listen to themselves because they're probably too stupid to do it. Right? Because what, you can only listen to your own wisdom once you have some wisdom. Right? I had to go fail. Mm -hmm. I had to actually pick up the damn phone, call someone who wanted to sell property, and fail at 16 years old over and over and over and over again in order to train myself to read the patterns of what might be successful. How do you expect someone to do that when they're 35 years old with two kids, a wife, and all those responsibilities? Yeah, I agree. Very, very hard. Hmm. So Bitcoin, that's why Bitcoin is the only self-teaching tool that will allow you to do that. Yeah. Basically, here's what it is. You need to get comfortable with proving yourself right. And yeah. guess what that takes? It takes risk. It takes heartbreak. It takes telling everyone to get fucked. It takes all of that. And most people don't have the bandwidth to do that because the system has, has, has got them. Yeah, I find it so interesting when you say risk. Like, uh, I, I think I also once, I once tweeted this. Like, I have Bitcoin because I'm pretty risk averse, actually. Yeah. And it kind of ties in uh, back, back into what you said about, you know, like uh, when you take risk with a venture or a job and you earn money and then you have to take more risk to actually protect what you just got rewarded for taking risk. And I just really think like, I don't want to do that. You know, like I don't, I, I, I don't want to do that. But still, I do think I'm taking a risk by adopting this new thing right yep. and yep. honestly not totally understanding what kind of more like the the meta play you know the the bigger play is of you know these financial institutions and what's going to happen and i want to recommend one of your last videos where you share um about what the blackrock plan is and this is one of my next next questions but yeah i think it's a nice reflection to to think about what am I actually doing? But I think in general, that is what Bitcoin does, you know? The, the biggest gift that Bitcoin will give most millennials that actually get it and do it is the gift of being right. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. When I negotiated my first property deal and I basically pivoted from trying to deal with distressed sellers to just going straight to developers because I was like, well, there are distressed homeowners and there are distressed property developers and the distressed property developers are easy to deal with as a 16 year old because I don't give a shit. And I can't be as emotionally empathetic as my dad could be when he's talking to a distressed seller because I cannot relate. 
but I can relate to a property developer who's distressed because I can say, oh, you got 25 units to sell. I can sell those in 30 days, right? Yeah. I can relate to that. So, and that was frowned, that was, that was actually ridiculed at the beginning when I decided to try and make that pivot at 16. There is nothing sweeter than actually just doing that and telling everyone that was laughing at me to get fucked because I was right. Mm. The biggest gift Bitcoin will give to millennials is that first boost of I'm right. Yeah. That's it. 100%. This is something I also want to share to the people who are listening, like why I got, I got into Bitcoin gradually, uh, Bitcoin gradually more and more and more over time, like over the past 10 years. But once I saw a tweet, I don't, I don't remember who it was by, but they said, if you even remotely think Bitcoin is going to be a thing, you know, like an actual, like, like the, you know, the big thesis of sucking up all the, you know, wealth in the world and, and, etc. Do you want to be in the stadium and have a seat when that happens or not? And I read that and I thought that is what I want because I want to be at the point that you just illustrated when that happens, I am sitting there with my popcorn and I think maybe there will be a tear because I'm just, I will be proud of myself that I'm right. You know, that is exactly, exactly what you're saying. Yeah, um, that's why it's yeah. very important for young people to stack up as much of these I'm right moments at a young age. Mm-hmm. You know, I plan on having children one day. Um, and from my experience, that's exactly what I'll try and create for them. That experience of I'm right. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm right. Yeah. That's very, very important for young and people. And I thought I wasn't before, but then I thought right. I was, and then I got shown and I was right. Yeah, so man, young, young people don't have many of these, mm-hmm. right? And they've, and they've not been, young people, we have not been given the ability to have these moments. We've either had to go take them and create them, or we just don't. Yeah, I agree. That's why do you think when, you know, when, back in the day, when, when young, ki- young boys were becoming men, what did they have to do? Yeah, hard stuff, <laughs> Damn, initiation, anything. Don't fight a lion, right? Yeah. Because yeah. then, why? Because what that emboldens inside of you is that I'm right. Mm-hmm. I'm one. I right. I'm right. That they got out of it. That they went through it. You mean? Right. I'm yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And so that's what that's what young 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 men need. And I don't think we have many of those things. I found the source of those things through business and and real estate it just depends some people find the source of those things through something else you're certainly not going to find the source of those things through fucking chakra cleansing right all right (laughs) i love that um when we move to back to bitcoin kindish again you know you talk and you press very hard on this finite supply of bitcoin and we briefly touched on it right when you talked about hard assets how hard is it to make another one you know how predictable is a certain type of supply you really press on like finite supply something that is very um rare maybe this is even the first and the only time that we actually have something that has a finite supply so an ending supply can you explain why it's so important and why 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 it's hard for people to wrap their head around that yeah, because, you know, everyone thinks property is a finite supply, but it's a lie because my dad, who came to the United Kingdom, uh, you know, almost for four decades ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's like he could buy 10 properties. 
Me, 40 years later, if I want to, I can buy 10 properties. There might not be the same property. They might not be in the same place, but I can still buy 10 properties. With Bitcoin, that's completely impossible. It's completely impossible because you can't just make more Bitcoin and put it in a side of the universe where it just has a lower price. Can't do it. I can buy maybe 10,000 Satoshis. I can buy maybe a million Satoshis, but I'm never going to be able to buy a whole Bitcoin. And out of the miraculous, right? Like let's say I become, you know, um, a tech multi-billionaire. Now I can go and buy the same 10 properties that my dad bought yeah. because I have the extra amount of, of paper to do it. Outside of the miraculous, I can't. I can't do it. So that's that's what Bitcoin is. Unlike property, unlike stocks, I can't just go buy something that looks like this. It's yeah. not possible. And does that also tie into what people call the, you know, the game theory of Bitcoin, where once it's bought, I think over 70% of Bitcoin haven't moved in 18 months or 24 yeah. months even. Like once it's bought by someone who understands it will never be on the market again. You know, this is why I get worried now, because the, the type of buyer that's coming into Bitcoin next is a scary buyer. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things, so I collect watches, right? And you know the one of the thing when I'm smoking cigars with a with with a bunch of my friends, one's name is Adam, and and the one thing I love about Adam is that we can just be honest about the fact that it's just the childlike behavior that we want. Fuck the watches, yeah. Having a having that watch is nice, but the fact that he got it before me or that I have it. <laughs> is what's fun or for list or not or yeah whatever right like that's what's fun it's a game it's a game like me and adam have a war about which which chair we're gonna sit in in the cigar lounge <laughs> yeah like i like there's only one chair that has the view of the whole cigar lounge and every single time he'll send me a picture of that chair and he say this chair has my name on it and then i'll go there <clears throat> sit on the same chair and take a picture and said fuck you this is all childish bullshit Mm -hmm. But that's what that's what's fun once you have a certain amount of money. And we're about to enter the buyers for Bitcoin that will be able to look you in the face and say, I have one Bitcoin. You don't. Fuck yeah. you. And so that's when we move on to the ETFs. Uh, can you short, shortly explain what an ETF is and, <clears throat> and what yeah. is happening here and what your thoughts are on it? Yeah. So an ETF is imagine a company that owns a particular asset. The only thing that company owns is that particular asset and you get to buy shares in that company. That's an ETF. So the value of your shares is going to be completely related to the value of the assets in the company. So the difference here is instead of you having to control that Bitcoin and actually take custody of it, the ETF will do that and be responsible. And there are great regulations in the US to allow people to do this. And they make money on fees or? Yes. So they'll okay. charge you a small fee for doing all the work. All right. And so you pay that continuously when you hold the shares or when you buy it? How yeah, does that so work? You, you'll, you'll pay that on, a, on, on an annual basis or whatever it is based on right. prospectus. Uh, and it will just come out of your holdings. All right. So that ETF is basically a claim on that asset in that basically, sense. Yeah. All right. All right. And so what we have in the U.S. is actually not a, technically is not a claim on yeah, that. It's actually, a representation or that, right? right. Yeah, it's they an abstract. Yeah. Okay. And so those are tradable, right? 
the yes yeah, so i can now trade my shares to you and yes you can, exactly control. yeah Okay. And all it right. can happen all over all over the world, you know, while the markets are open. And that is that is the scariest thing to happen to Bitcoin since Bitcoin was incepted. Yeah, because we have eight, nine, I'm not sure. I don't even know. Too many. Applications for these types of um, ETFs in America. I think the second deadline is coming up tomorrow, actually, which uh, I don't know what the Bloomberg guys said. Uh, they said uh, 85, 80, 75 or 85% chance of this year approval. And I also saw somewhere on Twitter where, where someone said like, it's like a 50% chance of tomorrow. I'm not sure, but like, why is there a wall of money coming as you mentioned? Well, just like your friend mentioned, right? Like your friend who's a millionaire said to you that he is worried about how to look after his Bitcoin. Well, if there was a service where he could just go into his broker account that he's used to buying stocks with and tap and say, buy the Bitcoin ETF, and he gets price exposure on that, which is pretty much what most people only want anyway, um, it now unlocks a bunch of capital. Second layer to that is, you know, there's there's the top 500 asset managers in the world control about $130 trillion of wealth. And each and every single one of them is going to be incentivized to sell Bitcoin because there's now a fee attached to it because yeah. of the fund. So there is a tremendous amount of capital coming to an asset where 80% of the assets don't move every single time it drops down 85%. And the supply is about to be cut in half again in April. Yeah. So that's the flow, right? Less flow, yeah. less yeah. stock to be traded, basically, which means, well, in in your course, you, you teach and substantiate why you have a $5 million Bitcoin price. M maybe it changed, actually, now that you <laughs> read some new stuff. Um, Let's say it gets to that price, right? Like I think you said 2030, 2032 is kind of your target-ish. Yeah. Like if someone actually holds Bitcoin as the asset, not the ETF, maybe also the ETF. I saw you explain it as well. Like how can you live off, how can you live off that? Like how can you make sure that you don't have to sell your Bitcoin? Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of ways to do that. You can borrow against your Bitcoin. I wouldn't do it right now. I wouldn't do it right now. You can borrow against your Bitcoin. You can have the ETF. Right now, you know, most people don't realize this, but there is something called a stock loan, right? So if I have a bunch of shares, I can loan money against those shares pretty easily at market, at you know, almost just tiny bit above Fed rates. Mm -hmm. um, and that's absolutely, that will be possible with the ETF. So there's many, many different ways to do that. It's just now is not the right time to do that. Yeah. But in 2030, those yeah. are kind of like the options then. Yeah, because right now, you know, when you're comparing like, I've been saying this since 2021, by the way, right? When BlockFi was doing its thing. And I said, it's like, imagine you own a property and you want to rent out that property and you have two estate agents show up to try and get that contract to rent that property. Mm -hmm. One of them is in a sharp suit. He's absolutely respectful, shakes your hand like a like a man, breaks everything down for you logically, you know, makes sense, says, you know, I, I, I think that um, we can probably get the market currently rents for a thousand, let's just say a thousand dollars a month. We could probably end up getting you a thousand, eleven hundred dollars a month, something like that, if you if you want to sign with me. Then the next guy rocks up, he's got a shitty car, 
right? He gets out of it. He's missing a sock. His trousers ripped, right? You can tell that he's been doing cocaine because you can see a little bit of white stuff on his nose. He walks up to you. He shakes your hand like a woman, right? His hair is all over the place. He's fidgety all the time. He doesn't know how to have a conversation with you, but promises you that he can get you $1,500 a month. Yeah. Who are you giving the property to? Well, now I would say the money. Right. You would say the money? That's the, that's a very interesting point. No, that's a good point. That's a very interesting point. Maybe right I answered too well. Me, per, me, I would not. I would not do that. I was thinking more the regular person perhaps would choose the money. Well, it's actually not true because when I asked my parents, my parents immediately said the person with the person who said eleven hundred and looks like he knows what he's doing. Huh. Right. That's a very yeah. interesting point. We just that, that, that's, that's a, a good very one. Moment, mm-hmm. and that's what's happening right now. BlockFi is showing up as that second guy on cocaine and telling you they can give you, you know, Bitcoin's generating you, I don't know, let's say Bitcoin's compounding at 80% a year, and they're saying we can give you 82.5% a year. Yeah. But I'm, I look like I've been taking cocaine. My trousers ripped. There's no evidence of me being able to do this before. Uh, I'm just, just started becoming a realtor, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And people are going, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Right. That's yeah. why millennials will lose their fucking Bitcoin, because the people like my parents, the boomers have been through this before. They've seen all that BS before and they're not giving their Bitcoin up to those people. But they've been burned, of course. They've been burned before. Mm-hmm. So they're coming along and they're buying Bitcoin. They're never, ever going to sell it ever, ever. And they're not going to give it to anyone unless it's BlackRock, Goldman Sachs, someone like that. JP Morgan Chase, et cetera, et cetera. They're not going to give it to any random idiot like BlockFi or Celsius. That's why millennials get fucked. And when do you think this is going to happen? This transition is happening right now. The buyer of Bitcoin right now is not the millennial. Mm -hmm. Because the millennial, as always, is too busy chasing Dogecoin. I agree. (laughs) So I wanted to ask, as uh, uh, two la- two last questions to to wrap up this convo, I actually wanted to ask: like, do you think wealth equates happiness, or maybe yeah. even better, what is wealth? Yes, wealth wealth definitely equates happiness. Now you might say that, oh, I don't need wealth to be happy. Fine, but wealth definitely increases your happiness. That is a lie. They told you, oh, don't don't worry about chasing money, chase happiness. That's a that's a lie. It's a lie. You telling me that, yeah, okay, me and you both have problems. I'm broke, you're rich. You don't think you're gonna be happier being able to deal with those problems better with that money? Mm-hmm. Sure. There there are certain problems in the world like losing family members. That no matter how much money you have, we're both going to go through the same thing. But yeah. there's probably less than 10 of those problems that we can both experience at the same level. Every other problem, you being richer versus me being broke, is going to allow you to deal with that problem better. Quicker. Yeah. All right. Last one. What's a core belief you will never let go? Oh, shit. That's a really good one. That above everybody else, I'm right and I can figure it out. I love that. Thank yeah. you. Thanks. You're welcome.
I really enjoyed this. Thanks for being my first guest. You're um, welcome. I wish you the best of luck with it. Thank you. Could you please share like where people can find you? Uh, I, I definitely recommend like your short email slash video course on, you know, uh, getting to know you better, hearing your kind of like thesis around Bitcoin. Um, the, yeah. You know, to find me, the first and only thing you need to do is go to youtube.com, which I'm sure everyone knows, and just type in British HODL. Start All right. There. I will link this in the show notes, definitely. Um, yeah. Thanks again so much. And uh, wish you all the best. Hope to stay in touch. Thank you very and, much, my uh, friend. I'll let's see, see you where we end up. Sorry? I'll see you in the Netherlands soon. Yeah. Dope, man. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it would be amazing if you could rate, review, and subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. It will help us educate more millennials on the importance of Bitcoin. You can follow and connect with me on Twitter. I'm Bramke. That's at B-R-A-M-K. And if you are or know someone who has an interesting perspective on Bitcoin that's worth sharing, hit me up. I read and reply to every single message. I appreciate your support and hope you'll be here for the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.